0: Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. All your smiling faces. Um, It was about 2016. It was about February, March time, and uh, Pastor Henry called me into his office, aka Dad, if you didn't know. Um, And uh, he said to me, he's like, "Uh, I've invited Sister Padma to come and speak at the church. If you don't know who that is, Sister Padma is from India, uh, we, she used to have an orphanage for about 40 years. We supported her for about 20 of those. She's an evangelist. She operates in the power gifts. She goes all over the world, especially all over India. She's a remarkable woman. Anyway, and he said, I've invited Sister Padma to come and speak to the church. I said, Oh, great. I haven't seen her in so long. This is going to be awesome. And he said, Well, what I was thinking, it would be a good time to get the church inspired um, and plan a trip to India, a missions trip to India with her and i thought it'd be a good idea you could lead the trip and get the team together and you could lead the team to india and i said what if we didn't and he kind of giggled like you didn't and he was like no i'm serious like we'll get a team and you can lead it and and i said no seriously what if we didn't it's india i've traveled the world i deliberately avoided that country okay it's not hawaii all right it's india and he said, Well, I just really think that you should lead it, so why don't you pray about it? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll go pray about it. So I, I went, and my prayer time went something like this God, I'll go wherever you want me to go, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I don't think it's India, though. I mean, if you want me to, I'll go, but I'm, I really am not thinking it's India, but if you want me to, I'll go. So a few weeks later, Sister Padma arrived, and I went to pick her up from the airport. And she's in the car, and we're driving. And while we're in the car, she's telling me about all the stuff that the team will do in India. And I'm talking. I'm like, yeah, so we're, while we're there, we could do this, and we would do that, and we, would, we can do this. And, and while I'm talking, I'm thinking to myself, why do you keep saying we, Tonto? There's no we here. And uh, the next day, she got up to preach in church. And I've heard her speak many times. She's a very powerful speaker. But literally from the time she started talking tears started to run down my face. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm crying, but I'm clearly crying, but I I don't mean to be crying. You know, but the tears keep streaming, and and after a while, I'm I'm saying to myself, I'm like, why are you crying? And like the little voice in my head goes, you're crying because you know you're going to India. You know, and at the end, she did this call for whoever feels like they're called to go on a missions trip to India. And I mean, I don't even know. Like my my feet were the first ones here at the bottom of the stage, and I was really crying. You know, and uh, and people came down and lined the altar. And in that moment, um, and throughout that service, I felt the Lord melt my heart for India. I felt Him put His love in my heart for a country I would never been for people I would never known. And he began to show me in that moment as I stood there, what was gonna happen and what we could see and envision happening when we were on that missions trip. And you know, from that moment afterwards, from the minute I walked out and we began to plan, I was so excited about going to India, I couldn't wait. I mean, I was just so thrilled. And the planning was intense. Let me just tell you, trying to get a visa for India, America could take a lesson. Because it is so difficult to get into that country. But it took us about a year and we went uh, the next year and we took uh, a team of uh, 16, I think we have a picture of them we can put up, a team of 16 of them uh, went with us the first time we went in 2017. We went again in 2019 with another team of uh, about 17 of us went again there. And uh, thank you so much. And we we preached, I mean, I, I preached like seven times in eight days and I didn't even preach every day. So sometimes we were preaching multiple times. Uh, Dr. Chris, where is he? Oh, right. He preached with us on the second trip. Um, and it was very, very busy, kind of grueling. But we got to do a lot of amazing things when we were there. But, you know, um, God had to give me a love for India. He had to change my heart to match his heart. Because you can't do anything for God if you don't do it from a place of love. See, because love is the language of God. That's what God's language is. And if you understand God's love you have, and grow in it, then you'll be able to fulfill everything he's got for you. Because you can't do, you think, you, you're like, well, I'm not in ministry. I just have a normal job. I just have a, a regular career. Nothing is regular. Look at what your gifting is and what you're good at. And that's oftentimes linked to what you're called to do. God is going to use you where you are to influence people around you, to impact your world around you, but you're not going to want to do it if you don't have the love of God in your heart towards people. That particular trip, there's a scripture that we're going to focus on today that, that really spoke to us when we were on that trip because we saw it come alive in our hearts. But since then, this is a scripture that I read Sometimes once a week, most times at least once a month, because the Lord shows me so much more in it every time I read it. You know what I mean? And that's what is called a rhema word, when God speaks to your heart and he brings the scripture alive. You, it doesn't matter how many times you've read it. So this is the scripture. We'll go to it. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. So this is the apostle Paul writing. Remember, Saul had the experience with God. His Greek name is Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So this is him writing. He says, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints What is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. All glory to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, think according to the power that works in us. Such a great scripture, isn't it? There's just so much to unpack. We're going to break this scripture down. So first, Paul says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So you notice his posture coming to Father God. Now, we know he's Father God, and God wants you to have an intimate relationship with him, but oftentimes we come a little bit too blasé when we talk to God. In all honesty, you don't have to kneel, but you should come with a heart, posture of kneeling. What does that show? It shows reverence. It shows, look, I know who I'm talking to. I know that right now I'm coming to the almighty God of creation, and I'm coming to talk to you. See the difference in his posture. And he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. Many times when we pray, we also forget who we're praying to, or we pray to the God that we've created in our minds. But our God is a spiritually, gloriously rich Father God. He can empower you. He can give you riches, not just just material riches. He can do that. He's got streets of gold, but spiritual riches. This is who you're praying to, a God of more than enough when you come to your God, okay? You don't have to think, oh, God, I'm asking you for something, but I know you just laid off some of the angels, so maybe you're a little broke. No, our God ain't broke, okay? no it doesn't work that way so then he says let's read he says i pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with what power he's going to strengthen you with power through his spirit where in your inner being so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith so that word power. Remember, the New Testament is originally written in Greek. So you can look up the Greek words because it means a little bit more or different than just a simple English word. That word power in the Greek is the word dunamas, where we get the word dynamite from. But that word could actually be translated into miraculous power and ability. So he's going to strengthen you with miraculous power and ability say that miraculous power and ability this is the power that God has made available to us through his spirit throughout through his spirit in us is what he's saying you could use some miraculous power and ability in your life could you not so this power is in us but I find that most Christians are living on their own power you know um a number of years ago when I moved to LA, I, w- I uh, moved up there and I got, it was one of my first little apartments I ever got, a little one bedroom. And I remember my friend and I unpacked everything and we got the TV all set up and I, I plugged the TV in and, I, and, nothing, and, it, and it didn't work. And I'm like, what's going on? And we tried everything with the TV, we thought, and then we finally realized it's the outlet. The outlet's not working. And I'm like, okay, where can we plug this in? It's a one bedroom, you know, there's like, two outlets in the whole place. So I realized the only other outlet is in the kitchen. So I get the extension cord, the bright orange one, and I run it from the kitchen to the TV. The only problem is every time I need to put my coffee maker in, I have to unplug the extension cord and plug in the coffee maker. Because I didn't know there were other things available at that time. I know you're rolling your eyes at me right now. But anyway, so I've got this thing happening. And it was about a couple months later. My brother comes over to visit, and he walks in my apartment and he goes, what's, what's happening here? Now, just so you know, my brother is like a genius, okay? He can fix anything, take anything apart, put it back together. I don't even know how we're related, okay? So he says, he's like, I said, the, the TV's not working, the outlet's broken. He says, why didn't you call somebody to get it fixed? And I said, ah, oh, it takes like forever to get somebody. It's fine. He goes are you sure it's broken? I'm like, yeah. And he goes over to the TV and he starts unplugging things and plugging. I'm like, hey, it's broken. And he's like, he plugs things in. And then he walks over here to the front door and he goes, what do these two switches do? <laughs> and I said, uh, one turns the light on. He goes And the other one. I'm like, I don't know, a fan maybe. And doesn't he click the switch and doesn't the TV come on? Okay, there should be a sign for blondes when you move in. This is for the TV. You know, but the thing is, the power for the TV was there all the time. It was in the wall. The electricity was in the wall. All the power to make it work was in the wall. I didn't have to create it. I didn't have to make it up. It was literally there the whole time. All I had to do was flip the switch. See, when you get saved, give your life to Christ, you get born again, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you get filled with God's dunamis power. All you have to do is learn to flip the switch for the power to flow through you. Because God's power is in you, it's just not flowing through you. And that holy, so the Holy Spirit in you is the power. So how do you tap in? How do you flip that switch in your life so that you're operating from the power of God? Let's read a little bit further in the scripture. And I pray that you being rooted in and established on love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know His love that surpasses knowledge that you may be, here's the catch, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. There's a hidden truth right here. Here's the gem. This This is the important link. There's a link between Fully understanding and grasping the love of God and being filled with all the fullness of God. There's a link. Understanding the love of God and then being filled with all the fullness of God. But see, the problem we have is how can we expect God's power to flow through us when Deep down, we doubt His power and love for us. How do we expect Him to heal through us when we ourselves haven't seen it in our own lives? How do we expect that He's going to answer prayers that we prayed for somebody else to be rescued when we ourselves haven't felt rescued? See, our own experiences limit our capacity to receive and understand God's love, which then in turn limits the capacity to which His power can flow through us. I'll say it again. Our own experiences limit our capacity to receive and understand His love, which then in turn limits the power that can flow through us. See, the love of God is not naturally understood. It's supernaturally revealed. God doesn't love like we do. He doesn't love based on conditions. But we do. Well, as long as they do this, this, and this, then I still love them. But God forbid they do this, because that's it. I I draw the line. I'm out. But God doesn't love like that. But we think he does. So we project that onto him. Well, if he's not going to do that, then he obviously doesn't love me. But see, God's love is not based on conditions. And you get to know that the more you know him, the more you love him. The more you love him, the more you trust him. The more you trust him, the more you'll experience his power flowing through you. It's all connected. I mean, this morning when Andrew was singing um, about the love of God, that was prophetic. Dude, you didn't know my sermon. You were right on the Spirit. I was like, preach up there, dude. Go sing it. Sing my sermon. (laughs) In order to know God, to understand God's love more, you have to know Him more. But do you know that none of us can trust God beyond what we've heard of Him? If you don't know that Jesus died for your sins and you can spend eternity in heaven, then you don't know that you can never trust him for it. None of us can trust God beyond what we've heard about him. See, what we hear shapes our expectation. Oh, I hear God wants me healed. Now I can expect a healing. So what we hear shapes our expectation. Then what we believe and hear shapes our reality. Can you see why it's so important which ministry you choose to sit under for your spiritual development? Because there are people that don't believe that miracles are for today. There are Christians who don't believe that the Holy Spirit wants to fill you with the baptism and evidence of speaking in tongues. Why? Because they've been taught that by a church. Help me. <clears throat> Choose wisely where you sit to listen. Because there are a lot of Christians walking around like little babies in diapers that have never grown beyond that. And the devil is beating them up because they haven't been taught the power that is inside of them and how to walk in it. And what happens is because we look at God's Like we look at a human, well, if you don't do this, then you don't love me. We look at God the same way. And see, when you judge God by the unanswered prayers in your life, you greatly undervalue and dishonor him. And you treat his love like a commodity. The greatest blessing in our life is God with us. God in us and God for us. That's the greatest blessing of the Christian life. But until you truly understand the love of God, you're not going to experience the fullness of his life and his power because his power is generated through you in relation to your understanding of his love. When uh, my team, the first time when we went to India, uh, we of course didn't know what to expect. And <clears throat> traffic is horrendous. It takes you like an hour to get anywhere in the bus. You finally get to the church and we, uh, we walk up to the front doors and, sorry, sorry, stop. Um, <clears throat> you need to take your shoes off. I'm sorry, what? I don't like being bare feet anywhere, not even in my own house, Okay. Now I've got to be bare feet in India. I was just like, all right, I'm cold, Jesus, I'm cold. Uh, taking off the shoes, you know, walking into the church bare feet. <clears throat> and uh, we get to the front, and now they sing for like 45 minutes before we get there, okay? So, and then another 20 after we get there, and then Sister Padma's going to speak. So it's a long service. And we get to the front, and now we suddenly realize that we all need to go to the restroom, So we're like, "Um, excuse me, can you just show us, can you take us to the bathroom? She's like, yep, no problem. It's down this way. And I went, "Uh, (laughs) hold on. I'm sensing a problem. My shoes are about a quarter of a mile that way. She's like, no problem, no problem, just come. Only thing worse than being bare feet in India is being bare feet in the bathroom in India. (laughs) I'll hold it, thank you. I was like, I'll sweat it out while I'm preaching. But Lord Jesus, I'm not going there without shoes. So it was a quick sermon that time. But, uh, you know, we preached in a lot of different places. I can show you some of the photos of uh, some of the, the churches that we preached in, the people that came, some, some of them, 400, 600. That's, uh, you can see how they sit on the floor. A lot of times there's not enough space. See, I'm bare feet in that picture. Did you see that? See that bare feet. So this is one of the 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 other places that we spoke at, and uh, and we even spoke. I mean, this this last one. This is the slums. They took us to this to the slums at night, where it's. I mean, they bust you in. It's all very protected, but I mean, it was not. It was not. Uh, yeah, I was like, can I keep my shoes on in here, please, Jesus? But anyway, uh, they were raising their hands. Those are for salvation, by the way, they're raising their hand. But, um, you know, it was such an in- incredible experience being there. And then what we would do is, you know, we wanted to see people get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. That was my team before we went, God, want to see salvations and, and miracles and people touched. Um, and, you know, and of course we saw that, but you didn't expect to get blessed in return, because when you you we were just so blessed and when we would open up the line for prayer at the end if you would like prayer for anything they would storm the front of the church okay not like here we're in America maybe one or two people come up no like almost the entire church would come up where we would be like 20 people deep I think I have a picture of that we can put that one up that's us standing in the front row that's me in the white there that's the prayer line going back. Each person had like 20 people to pray for. Some of my team had never prayed for anybody in their life before. Gloria's sitting right there. She's she's like, yep. She's like, I remember. So people, some of them had never prayed for anybody before. But when these people walk up and they're carrying the deformed child or blindness or sickness or tumors that you can see, and you see the look in their eye because they're so desperate for a touch from god and they have so much faith that you've got it you've come from america you know god you have it they come so hungry in that moment if you've never prayed you go Oh god let my faith not fail me in this moment god meet their needs god and your heart breaks with compassion compassion that you've never experienced in your life before until that moment and when god's power flows through you as a willing vessel and touches them and people are going out under the power like the whole row because just one person and there's no catches but there's a lot of people so they don't really go far but um you know uh when this power flows through you i remember my team walking past me their faces were glowing from the residual of the power of god flowing through them and tears down their face as they would just go wow Wow. What is this? Wow. Because when God's power flows through you and He's love at that rate, you're just left going, what was that? And I think we understood what it means to operate from a place of love. When you're in that place of absolute love, God's power comes through you so powerfully and touches people so powerfully. And in order for God's love to flow through you like that, you always have to be motivated by love and see people through the eyes of grace. You can do that in your life. I know it's difficult. Sometimes people are, are difficult. But if you could look at them and think, I wonder what's going on in their life. Why are they reacting like this right now? Why are they saying that? Why are they doing that? Who's hurt them? See how I don't make it about me, I make it about them. What's happened in their life? I'm going to pray for them because something has hurt them. Hurting people hurt people. You've heard the expression. So can you see them rather through the eyes of grace and love on them even though they might be hurting you in some fashion obviously i'm not talking about physically please i'm not condoning that i'm saying you get what i'm saying right i'm talking about in life people say hurtful things and do hurtful things it's like can you look at them that way because sometimes people look at people and all they see is darkness and demons that's not looking through the eyes of god or the eyes of grace or love god's every motive is from a place of love everything he does is motivated from the place of love. Because love is the language of God. And I think that's, that's why things like unforgiveness, pride, jealousy, bitterness, that is why they are talked about and shunned so badly in scripture why jesus talks about it so harshly like you can't carry this you can't carry anger you can't carry bitterness as a christian you can't carry unforgiveness why because it's the enemy of love wait who is love jesus so when you carry it you become the enemy of jesus Let's read verse 20. All glory to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. All that we ask, or think according to the power that works in us. Don't we love that scripture? Whoop, whoop. Yeah. He ran out of adjectives. Like this is how good God is. I mean, he's just above, beyond, exceedingly, blah, blah, blah. He's like, what else can I put in there? but what you notice is he says he can do all of this according to the power where in us he put the power in there but he can do all of this beyond your wildest imaginations but it's according to the power in you do you realize that you're limiting god in your life If God is a, if the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, it talks about being a a rushing water flowing through your life. So flowing, God's Spirit flowing through you like a rushing water into your life. Now imagine throwing sticks in it, can, some mud. What happens is it gets clogged up. Water gets dirty. After a while, you have a little trickle coming out where there should have been a massive stream, you have a little trickle and the trickle's not even clear anymore. It's a little bit muddy coming out because there's things in our life that can slow down, prohibit, dilute the power of God flowing through us if the primary way it flows is from love. So I'll show you four things that fight love and will hinder the flow of God's power in your life. Number one, is fear. What do you fear? I don't mean, oh, I fear the dark, or I fear spiders, because spiders is just never going to go away. I don't care what you say. I still don't like him. I'm not talking about that kind of fear. I'm talking about real fear. So I want you to close your eyes for a minute. Close your eyes. And I want you to think, if I say, what do you fear, what comes up? Whether it's one, two, or three things, what comes up inside of you, what do you fear? Open your eyes. Whether it's the ending of a relationship, whether it's your business going under, whether whatever it is, being alone the rest of your life, whatever it is, whatever fear arose, God says in Isaiah chapter 41, I don't have the scripture for you, but I'll just tell it to you. God says, fear not. For I am with you. Do not be discouraged because I am your God. I will help you and I will strengthen you. Do you know that your own personal fear cannot be rebuked? You can't rebuke your fear, you have to surrender it. A lot of people have faced traumas in their life or experiences that have caused them to live in a fear because of the experience or the trauma. But what happened is that was Satan's doing and he put something on you. But as you hold on to it, you embrace what he's put on you and now he has access to you. See, because the fear that you're facing, you're actually in control of. That's why you have to surrender it. Most people, and then on the other side of that, most people's problems aren't even problems. They have problems because of fear. They fear what's gonna happen, what might happen, what happens if the business goes under, where are we gonna live, what happens if the marriage doesn't work, what happens if I am alone for the rest of my life. And then what happens is people manage their fear every day. They spend time on it. They think about it. They polish it and shine it. They revisit it every day. And so they hold on to it. And the enemy has you like a leash around you as you hold on to that fear. 1 John 4 verse 18 says this, There is no fear in love but perfect love costs out fear who is perfect love jesus but perfect love costs out fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love so whoever fears has not been made perfect in love The presence of fear means you have not fully received the love of God. I don't care how much you sing, Jesus loves me, or or post Jesus loves me, or say I, Jesus loves me, all over your social media. If the presence of fear is in your life, you have not yet been perfected by the love of God. You have not experienced the full love of God. Because once you have, you would say, oh, God, I know you got this. My daddy's got me. I mean, yes, this looks like whatever, but I know you've got me. You fear because you are in control. That's the reason you have fear. Because you think you're in control. What you have to do is surrender the fear. You have to face the fear and surrender it. What do I mean? Face it, I mean this. Okay, well, what happens if the business uh, goes under and we lose everything? Okay, so we'll end up in an apartment. But, oh my gosh, I'm afraid I'm going to lose everything. I thought Jesus was your everything. How could you lose Jesus? Oh, so those were just words. Jesus is your everything. Even if you end up in an apartment sharing it, whatever the case may be, Jesus is your everything. What happens if I end up alone for the rest of my life? Face the fear. Okay. Okay. All right. right. I'll be alone for the rest of my life. But Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So Holy Spirit is with you and your guardian angel always. See, once you face the fear and lay it down at Jesus' feet, the power of it crumbles, has no more power over you. It's done. And then God can perfect you in his love number two second thing is guilt guilt destroys you before god now maybe you got guilt from you know the pleasures of life you've done something you've been involved in something and you feel guilty from it and you wish you wouldn't do it or maybe you've got guilt because things happened in your life that you have regrets And so you feel guilty over what should have, what could have, what I could have done. Either one of those, it doesn't matter. God already knew what would happen. And he made provisions for it. Jesus died on the cross and took all of your sins. Even the ones that you committed yesterday or last night or the day before. But guilt will destroy you. So you have to say, God, forgive me. I repent. I thank you for Jesus' blood. I'm letting it go. And if it's something you've been holding on to for a long time, now you're going to have to forgive yourself. That's where people have the hardest time. They can believe that God has forgiven them, but they cannot forgive themselves. But God's love can't flow through you in the powerful way it wants to if you're still holding on to guilt. Let it go. Forgive yourself. The third thing is shame. Shame. Shame says I'm not good enough. Because shame has to do with your own willpower. If I'm carrying shame from something that happened in my life then when the enemy comes into my life and starts messing around with me, I no longer have the faith I need to tell him to get out of my life. I have no power behind my words to tell him to go because the scripture says if your heart condemns you, you have no faith towards God. It's saying when you have shame in your life, you, can, you can't tell the devil to do anything. See, faith is actually acting like God in this world. God's He said, his power and authority is in you. He said, speak my words and tell the enemy to go. Act like me in this world. But when you're carrying shame, you go, oh, I can't can't dare act like God. There's no way I can. But then because we're Christians in front of everybody else, your friends are like, oh, take authority. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm taking authority. I'm telling that devil to leave me. I just don't know why things aren't changing. I'm speaking the word. But there's no power behind it because you have such shame in your heart. There's no faith behind it. Devil ain't listening to nothing you're saying. There's no power. Everybody messes up. Everybody messes up, even if they don't say so on Instagram. Everybody's messed up. Everybody carries shame. Everybody has to learn to get over it. I've been through stuff that I should never even ever be preaching because of the stuff I've experienced in my life. But you know what I remembered is I remembered that Jesus hung naked on a cross. You know why they made him naked? Was to shame him. To shame him. And do you think he felt shame? Probably he was human. But even with the shame, he laid it down and said, I'm going to do what I came to do. And I'm gonna love them anyway. And I will fulfill my call anyway. Doesn't matter how much the world shames me. Doesn't matter what people say. Doesn't matter if I've been divorced. Doesn't matter if I had a child out of wedlock. It doesn't matter if my business went under and I'm bankrupt. It doesn't matter what the world says or tries to shame me with. I have Jesus. And if He could do it through the shame, I can do it through the shame. choose to let it go choose to do it in spite of number 4 the point the last point is lies god's word is the final the final word and the truth in every situation but right now in society there are a lot of truths being flown around your truth, that might be your truth, but it ain't my truth. Is that true for you, but not true for me? There's a lot of truths. But the thing is, we have to decide when we hear things that the Word of God is the final authority. And most times, when, it comes, when the lies come from the outside, we can be like, nope, 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 that's not what the Bible says. The lies that are hard to fight are the ones we tell ourselves. Ah. Oh. You could never lose the weight. It's just never gonna happen. It's hereditary, it's in your family, you just have bad genes, you probably die young. You can never get rid of that anxiety. There's just too many things wrong in your life. You just, I mean, you just have to live with it. Just just do what you gotta do. No, you could never get an, an advancement at work. Nobody thinks you're good enough to manage. These are lies we tell ourselves. The problem is they are contrary to the word of God. The word of God says the opposite. The word of God has to be your truth. The word of God has to be it. You know why? Because God has placed power inside of you. Bill Johnson said something, and I'm going to partially quote, partially add in my own. But he said that when you, because we have this power and authority inside of us, when you hear a lie and you believe the lie, you empower the lie but I'm going to go further than that when you believe the lie you take the very power and authority that God has given you and you put it behind the lie now the word of God the truth has no power has no ability to come against it because all the power that you're supposed to believe that with you've put it behind the lie and the truth you have to choose that every time you hear that word, that lie that comes up, that's been playing over and over again in your head, that you say, you know what, today it stops. Today, I take all the power in me, and I choose to believe the word of God. I choose to believe what Jesus has said over my life, that he's got a plan, that he's got good works for me, that he wants me healthy and blessed and prosperous, that he wants me to succeed, that he wants me to have influence. Whatever it might be, you start quoting the word of God, and you put your power behind that. Because remember what I said, and I'm going to quote the thing I said earlier, is that our own experiences that we go through limit our capacity to receive His love and understand His love, which then in turn limits the capacity to which His power can flow through us. You need to let go of things. You need to check your heart today and clear it out because there's things in your life that are actually diluting god's power from flowing through you and it's things that we've put in there the shame the guilt the fear all those things have clogged up and not being able to understand and comprehend god's love to be able to release the power of god in your own life The miraculous ability in your life. The miraculous power and God's ability flowing through your life. It's such an important thing for us to grasp and get a hold of in our life. I'd like you to stand up with me. The Holy Spirit is in you. God's power is in you. And God says He wants to do exceedingly abundantly all you can ask, think, or imagine. Basically, He's saying, I want to blow your mind. And I need you to understand who you are in this world. I need you to realize who you've been called to be in this earth. You're not here by mistake. You're not here by accident. You're not here with your own will and own plans. No, God has got plans laid out for you that will blow your mind. Because you're going to do them from a place of love. You're going to do them from a place where you look at people through the eyes of love. Which means you'll be looking at them how God sees them. The same way he sees you. Just close your eyes for a moment. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. If you've never said, man, I want to follow Jesus like that. I don't want to just, I don't want to. Just go to church for going to church's sake. I want to know Jesus like that. My Lord, my God, my Savior, everything He's done for me and died for me. I want to walk with Him. I want to know Him like that. Then I just want you to raise your hand wherever you are. I'm going to pray a prayer. God is listening. I see that hand. Thank you so much. I see that hand. Thank you. God is listening. He'll hear you. It means repenting of your ways, repenting of the things you've done. God, forgive me. So if that's you with your hand in the air, just say, God, forgive me. I repent, Lord. Forgive me of all my sins, past, present. Lord, I receive your forgiveness. I receive what Jesus did on the cross for me. I believe he is the one true risen king, and I follow him today with all my heart. in Jesus' name. Now I want you all, we discuss some very important points, and the Holy Spirit is here talking to your heart right now. The anointing is here right now to break those things, the power those things have over you, if you're willing to surrender them. So I want you to keep your eyes closed, and I want you to think about whether it was the fear, the guilt, the shame, whether it was lies, whatever it is that you've been holding on to, I want you to begin to talk to God out loud, not in your mind, out loud. Pray in the Spirit, talk to Jesus. He needs to hear, the Bible says, confession of your faith, confession of your mouth, whether that's saying, God, forgive me. God, I lay down that fear right now. Whatever it is, I lay it down. Lord, I get rid of that guilt. I'm not going to hold it anymore. I'm going to release that shame. Begin to pray. Begin to pray in the spirit. Get serious with God. Are you ready for a change? Are you ready to go to the next level? Are you ready to go deeper to the next dimension with God? Do you want all he's got for you? Or do you want to hold on to what you've been holding on to for so long? This was a word from God for people today because God is calling you to the next level. And you've been wondering, but God, why? Why can't I move forward? forward because of this right now. How serious are you going to take this moment? How serious are you with God? Louder, people. Get louder with Jesus. Pray. Oh, God, God, we lay it down, Lord. I lay down any fear, God, anything that's kept me from you, God, anything, Lord, any guilt or shame from the past, Lord, lay it all down today before you, God, so it no longer has any power over me. It has no power over me. I choose your word, Lord. I choose to believe every good thing you've said about me. I choose to believe every promise you've spoken over me, God. Mori bi kishola a mandi kisho variki solo. Mali bi kishura vasta liando roboko shaviki lata. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I receive that, God. I receive your love. Just say, I receive your love, Lord. I receive your love, God. Give me an understanding of your love today, Lord. Give me more of your love, Jesus. An increase, God, an increase of your love in this place. Lord, let your love flow from heaven, God filling us afresh, give us a fresh understanding today, Holy Spirit we yield to you. We make a commitment. Make a commitment before God to see people through the eyes of love and grace. Make a commitment. God, forgive us for looking at people and for looking down on them or feeling better than or for saying horrible things. God, forgive us right now, Lord. Forgive us, God. Help us to see people through your eyes of love and grace right now in Jesus' name. Ask God, Lord, help me, God. Help me, Jesus. baka shandili shula baba kasandala. Bring People to us, Lord, we won't shun them, God, we won't look down on them, Lord. We'll be accepting, we will love them with the love of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. I'll have my ministry team come forward. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. You're a great God. You're a great King. Thank you, Jesus. As we close, if you need personal prayer, if you want them to pray with you, if you've got any need in your life, you need healing, if you haven't experienced the baptism and the Holy Spirit or the evidence of speaking in tongues, the power of God in your life, then come forward. We'll pray for you. Uh, If you've got any needs that you want somebody to stand with you on, you can do that. Um, And uh, if you've given your life to the Lord the first time, come down as well. We've got a book we'd love to give you. Um, But you know what? Hold on to this word that you received today from God. Because God wants to take us further than we've ever been before. I don't want to stay where I am. I don't want to do this year like I did last year. Who's with me? Well, let's hold on. Let's keep our hearts clear before the Lord every day. Remember these things and know what's in you that God is destined for you. There's power beyond your wildest imagination that God's going to work through you. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. We love you.